Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. And Vinny Bonsignor from In the Huddle, it's all right here for you each and every morning in the morning tailgate. Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, Clay Baker, and you going forward 7 a.m., 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on Raider Nation Radio. Come and join us, Raider Nation, on the text line, 69187 from Sam and Ash. You can also check us out on Twitter at rnr 920 am Heidi, Clay, Vinny here with you all on a Funk Tuesday, brought to you by the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. And joining us now is one of our very good friends, the longtime NFL host and anchor with Sirius XM NFL Radio, it's Zig Fricasse. Follow him on Twitter at Zig Fricasse. Zig, thank you for being with us. Listen, I got to ask you, like, as you go around the, uh, the the zeitgeist for preseason prognostications and predictions, has the national perception changed at all for the Raiders since making the playoffs last year and now entering a Josh McDaniels era? Or do they continue to play, you know, second to the Chiefs or the Chargers or Broncos or all three? You know, that's a great question, Clay, and good to be on with you again, my friend. I, I'll say this. I mean, just from, you know, some of the calls that we get on the weekend, and, you know, Vinny was on with us not too long ago, so you get the idea that at least there is now this sense that the Raiders, they got there last year under some adverse circumstances. I thought Coach Passaccia did a really good job under the circumstances, but now you add, you know, Carr's great friend from Fresno State and a legit playmaker in Adams. You know, you make the big splash to bring in a Chandler Jones and all that. And so it seems as though that there's this push now that they can close the gap even further, you know, on the Kansas City Chiefs, who I still believe are the gold standard. So I think it's closing. I still think the Chiefs probably are the cream of the crop of that division. Obviously, with Denver adding Russell Wilson, it's it's a big thing. And you know, with the Chargers, will they ever live up to all this talent with that franchise quarterback they have in Herbert? So I think my my answer would be they close the gap a little, but I think until you actually see it, the Chiefs are still the gold standard. The Raiders could still be uh, conceivably a solid playoff team. Zig, and, and even saying that um, represents a difference uh, because you haven't. We haven't talked about the Raiders as a definite, solid playoff contending team in a long time. I know that they danced around a little bit going into last season, and sure enough, they they ended up making the playoffs. But going into a season and sitting here, uh, you know, as they as they conclude minicamp and head to training camp, I think a lot of people see this as a playoff team. How different does that feel when you talk about the Raiders, especially from a national perspective? Vinny, yeah, you're absolutely right. And gosh, it seems like it's been a couple decades since you really talked about the Raiders as being that consistent playoff team. And I, I just think the way that they overcame that adversity last year, I know Derek Carr has still been a bit maligned, but you know what? When, when push came to shove, they produced when they had to. And quite frankly, they could have been uh, going on further uh, in the playoffs, but Cincinnati came through uh, in the wild card game. So what you're hoping, obviously, is with those big additions that I talked about, then you have, you know, obviously Josh implement what he wants to do, and, 
You know, if you're, you're if you're encouraged by what he did last year, working with a rookie quarterback and a host of new targets with New England, and the success, relative success they had getting to the playoffs with the rookie quarterback, you got to be thinking, well, maybe there's some ideas that help Derek Carr along the line, and then obviously you bring in a highly acclaimed defensive coordinator like Patrick Graham. I know they want to add more sacks to the 35 that they got last year, so you've got the personnel in place. Maybe a little tweak to the you know play calling, the strategies, what have you. That's where I think they could you know even be a little bit better this year and solidify those playoff chances. Good morning, Zig. Hey, what's up, buddy? Buddy. All right, man. I was just having memories of you in the newsroom flashbacks. More like, just kidding. (laughs) I was was just going to bring up. This this is a PG-rated show here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Zig and I, Zig, Heidi, and I have all worked together, and both Heidi and I have needed therapy at least six weeks max after we worked with you. So that's okay. (laughs) Zig, no, he's kidding. But I wanted to get more of your takes. I'm Patrick Graham, and what you saw from him as a Giants defensive coordinator that really stood out with that team and how he brought along the defense and how you expect that to translate over to Las Vegas. Well, you know, again, with Patrick Graham, maybe it wasn't the most fair type thing because with with, with them, Heidi, obviously their problems were more with the offense last year. So Danny Dimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what tends to happen is it trickles down to the defense, uh, and it doesn't look all that great. I mean, they did allow 416 points last year, but um, you know he, the, the guys that actually played for him seem to have really you know cared for him. He seems to be an innovative type of guy in terms of you know what he likes to do. Like with the Raiders now, obviously, what they're basically shifting now to a three-four. So are they going to you know implement? What Patrick Graham likes to do in terms maybe more pressure on the quarterback, I guess they got to decide yet where uh, Crosby's going to be. Is he going to be a down end, or is he going to be a rush linebacker like a Chandler Jones? But there is that element of creativity. And let's not forget, too, uh, Heidi, they were together, uh, Graham and um, uh, Josh McDaniels in New England. Yes. So I think that reputation goes a long way. I think just with him, it's innovation, trying to do different things, and I think with the better uh, setup with the Raiders that he had with the Giants, I think we'll see more of sort of that Patrick Graham genius, if you will. And let's not forget the Giants' new coaching staff. You know, they generally don't retain coaches unless you really like them. But in that particular case, you know, it was a great fit for uh, Graham to wind up in Vegas. We're speaking with Zig Fercasi, longtime NFL host and anchor with Sirius XM NFL Radio at Zig Fercasi on Twitter. With the example of uh, that you brought up of Patrick Graham and his influence, can a, a can a Josh McDaniels influence actually push ahead some of what we've known about Derek Carr to elevate his game? And what have you like been able to take away from Josh McDaniels' work in the past with New England? Is there any sort of characteristic that you could say, you know what, this is what a McDaniels offense looks like, and can the Raiders replicate that kind of success? You know, and that was a good thing. I read an article not too long ago where, you know, Patrick Graham, we were talking about him, And the one thing that he always said about Josh McDaniels was one that he worked extremely, or that he was smart, and that he was, and they worked extremely hard. So those are two intangibles, Clay, that I would say that he has. And like I said, I I think in terms of Josh, I think 
when you know the Denver coaching experiment didn't work out because he was trying to be too much like Belichick. I think that mm-hmm. was one of those things where he had some humble pie, and luckily he wound up going back to New England, work for Bill, you know, get some Super Bowls along the way. So I think he learned a little bit about humility. I think he learned a little bit about treating people a little bit better. And then at the same time, you know, obviously it's <laughs> when you've got the greatest quarterback of all time with Tom Brady, it's pretty easy to work with. But sure. like I said, last year I think he did some of his best work, you know, with a guy like uh, Mac Jones. I mean, here it is last year, rookie quarterback comes on the scene and had an absolutely terrific year for them uh, with 22 touchdowns and all that. And then, you know, they brought, remember, they spent a ton of money, you know, in free agency in terms of receivers and uh, tight ends and the like. So when you've got so many new faces and a rookie quarterback, yet you're able to get to the playoffs, that shows that he fast-tracked that offense, whether they're going to be better this year in New England remains to be seen. But the point is he was able to get all that in less than one year to a playoff level. Mm-hmm. Think of what he can do now with an established quarterback and a legit home run receiver so I think Josh learned a lot in New England, and I think you'll see that going forward in Vegas. Zig, I want to go on a more uh, national basis, and uh, I'm going right to Cleveland, Ohio. And it seems like every day uh, now, uh, last few days, something news coming out about Deshaun Watson, another accusation, another uh, you know woman coming forward, um, you know, adding herself to uh, the the, uh, the the lawsuit. Um, and I, I just wondered. You know, where all this is headed, number one. Number two, do you think the Cleveland Browns truly understood the significance of what they were doing um, or underestimated uh, how this can potentially blow up uh, in their face? Um, I just don't feel like they really took into account the public relations aspect uh, of this. And maybe they felt like it would get swept under the rug in time, and maybe it will. Um, But it just seems like this is going to get worse before it gets better for everybody. Vinny, we could probably do an hour just on this topic because yeah. we, yep. we, we hit uh, quite a bit of that uh, this weekend on NFL radio with the revelation now that there's a 24th civil suit uh, in this particular matter. I know he was actually out with his teammates yesterday. They had the golf tournament or whatever, but I don't think the reporters asked about it. But I, I'm with you. I, I, I think, you know, the Browns said they do did their due diligence, but... Man, in terms of the um, the backlash, I know what was it Jim Tomey, the former uh, Cleveland Indian slugger, uh, his wife uh, basically spearheaded this type of campaign. She doesn't want her season tickets anymore. I know there's been a lot of backlash. In fact, folks, I, I took a call uh, on Saturday's show, and uh, maybe the, this gentleman was calling either on his friend's behalf or he was him himself saying this that. Uh, the guy was a lifetime Browns fan, but because of what's gone on with Watson, now he's switching to be a Bills fan. Oh, so from oh. the public relations standpoint, uh, it looks like a very bad thing. And then you look at it, too, if there are more lawsuits to come out, you know, I think maybe that's why the NFL hasn't ruled whether there's going to be a suspension or not. So if Goodell had already handed out, say, a six-game suspension, then say there's going to be, what, five or six more lawsuits Do you then retroactively say, all right, we're going to upgrade this to a year? That's why I don't think we've had any um, definitive uh, announcement on that. And then, you know, Vinny, just on the fact that they guaranteed every dime of that $230 million contract for a guy that may not play for 
one year or however long if this gets punished. You know, I understand that teams who've been irrelevant for a long time want to make sort of that sizzle splash thing, but um, to me it looks like they didn't do a whole lot of investigative detail into this. I think it's just a, you know, a bad image for the NFL, especially Cleveland, and, and then you alienate Baker Mayfield in the process, too, and where that's going to wind up. You know, are they going to have to have him come in? Oh, hey, Baker, we've turned on you, but now we need you to save the season if Watson's suspended. I don't know if that happens. So all in all, guys, I thought it was just a very bad look for the Browns uh, in the Deshaun Watson matter. Right, and it seems like you know the idea of putting him on the commissioner's exempt list is out of the question right now. But uh, as you said, because the two grand juries had not criminally charged him, but it's just it's right. it's pretty pretty nuts the amount of cases there. But as we turn the focus back to the Raiders, Zig, one of the things that I was looking at is uh, maybe somebody on this roster, like in the running back room that you think is going to be a standout for this department. And yeah, it's something that we've seen year in, year out with the Patriots offense. And though I don't think it'll be an exact mirror of that here in Las Vegas. I think there's going to be a lot of principles taken from it, like the idea of the multiple running back when you look at yeah. the running back room, who do you see as a standout there? Heidi, I don't know if they have one. Now, in theory, you would think it would be Jacobs because obviously he was the first-round pick and he does have that type of ability that you would want in your feature back. But I- I'm with you there. Again, New England through the years, gosh, you had the guy, what, I think even Bolden's on this roster. So Brandon Bolden was there uh, in New England. You had yeah. what, James White. You had... All these other, Danny Woodhead, all these, he almost had like a so circulation of running backs, yeah. for goodness sake. So if Jacobs is healthy, Heidi, he's probably the one, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see getting uh, some playing time uh, quite a bit. The, the fourth round pick was Zamir White out of Georgia. You know, he was used in kind of a platoon last year with the national champion Bulldogs. So don't be surprised if you do see a rotation, but, uh, I would think he gets a lot of look right away, but probably it's Jacobs uh, until he proves that he can't either stay healthy or excel in the offense. But I'm with you. I think it's more by committee, but I think ideally they'd probably want Jacobs to be the top guy. Well, Zig, we appreciate your time, man. It's great insight, wonderful perspective. We absolutely love your show on the weekends, especially Sunday night. And we thank you for your time. And let's do it again real soon as uh, as we get closer and edge closer to the preseason. We're just 58 days away from the Raiders kicking off in Canton. There you go. Now, how long are you going to need? What, four weeks after this session? So, <laughs> Oh, Zig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three and a half. I'll Always, round up. Three and a half. Okay. Always Thanks, a pleasure, guys. my friend. <laughs> Thank you, Zig. Zig for Thank you, Zig. I love it, man. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Zig for and uh He's a riot. Yeah, that that's hilarious. But you know what? That's a couple great points there. First of all, on the Deshaun Watson thing, this is um, – the, the the lawsuit that kind of came out yesterday that was kind of a st- explaining that, you know, alleging Deshaun Watson had been doing this just completely to random uh, women, uh, just to, trying to contact anybody <laughs> that's willing to, like, contact him back. And this has been, a, like, what they're trying to do is establish a behavior pattern uh, that is really uh, uncalled for to the point of, like, all right, now this is really testing the parameters of the conduct policy for the NFL that yeah. they've never seen before. And you have his agent come out, yeah, but, you know, that's kind of an expected. What are you, I mean, it's it, it, it 
what the what the not the agent but the lawyer what the lawyer basically said was yes yeah, something did happen but you know, maybe that happens you know more often than we th- it's like oh that's so scary exactly yeah. why would any He's, lawyer ever a, say there's, that there's I saw a, that yeah, yeah there, there's a disturbing. level of uh, respon- not responsibility, but guilt, basically, that he's conceding right there, that the possibility uh, exists, which, you know, um, obviously doesn't do his 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 client any favors, but oh my God, no. it just creates more of this, you know, uh, public relations backlash, and rightfully so. I mean, Zig brought it up. They gave him every cent of that contract is guaranteed, to the point where even this year's salary should something happen, which something will with a suspension or some sort of penalty, it's only a million dollars on the books this year. They are, they they like constructed this um, th- this contract to mitigate the possibility that he might not play this year or will play on a limited basis. So they knew that there was something coming, and I just I just don't think that they. I think they underestimated um, where people are with this and the the reaction that they're going to get, whether they go out on the road, even in their home um, city. There's people that are turning in their season tickets because Deshaun Watson is on this. On this, that's the last thing that you want to do is to create something like that. Um, and so I just, I, 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 the whole, the whole thing stinks to me. To be honest with you, it stinks. And Jim Tomey's wife, uh, she's come out, yeah, uh, Andrea Tomey, that, uh, you know, just her canceling of the Cleveland Browns season tickets has kind of like mirrored and reflected what a lot of people in that area have already been feeling like. And, you know, this team was very close to starting to win. They were acting like they're desperate, uh, you know, like they had to have this. They had to have this guy. Who cares what he did? Well, it'll get washed under the uh, the bridge at some point. Time will dissipate. People will forget. And, yeah, maybe some people will. But still, the fact that you were that desperate to go out and get a quarterback when there's all these unresolved issues, legal issues, serious issues in today's day and age – it's just I, I I don't like it one bit. And I think that with Baker Mayfield, they had a, a good thing going with him. Um, maybe he wasn't exactly what you thought he was going to be. And sure, there was a lot of movement with the wide receivers as well and changing things like with Odell. Go get Jimmy Garoppolo, true. who's gotten his team to a Super Bowl and was a, a, a safety holding on to a interception from going to another Super Bowl last and year against the Rams. I think the injuries just probably scared off some people yeah, but, with the shoulder and all okay, that. Okay, great. Yeah. That compared to, at least when he's on the field, he wins. And he's not going to sure. do what Deshaun Watson has obviously done. Nope. I mean, y- y- yeah, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo needs to stay on the field. I get that. I understand that. But this is a guy that when you, you put him in the good, a good situation, he wins football games and doesn't bring the drama that somebody like a Deshaun Watson does. I mean, it's just it's it's I, I don't agree with it one bit. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back more on this on the other side as we'll talk about uh, kind of what Zig was uh, mentioning, especially something uh, an observer twice now in two days about the defensive line and the edge rushers for the Raiders. And we, people have been thinking about, like, where is Max going to line up? What's Max's role going to be? Maybe we should kind of, like, talk about that on the other side. 702-365-9200 also is the Realty One Group listener line. We'll take your thoughts as we'll get in touch with you at 702-365-9200. It's Vinny, Heidi, and Clay on Raider Nation Radio. What's good, Raider Nation? I just wanted to remind everybody that this part of the show, this half of the show, is sponsored by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Look, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. And unfortunately, we know too many people that are in that predicament, whether it's us, a friend, a coworker, a loved one, mom, dad. 
Uh, it seems like too many people are living right now in pain. The Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible because we all deserve exactly that. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. Clay and Heidi, we were talking earlier about the possible role change for Mm -hmm. a Max Crosby on this defensive line. Uh, And I think, you know, to clarify a little bit, uh, Max Crosby has traditionally been really all his career. He's telling me even going back to high school, he is a four, three, put his hand in the dirt edge rusher, rushing off the edge, playing off of the tackle wide to the tackle, or maybe over the tackle. Um, and that's what he's done his entire career. And he's done really well doing that best in the league. But now Patrick Graham brings in a 3-4 defense, which is going to be the base defense, it looks like. So there might be some change um, in terms of how Max Crosby gets used. And what we're talking about is taking him from being uh, exclusively a hand-in-the-dirt 4-3 defensive end to playing him upright off the edge uh, where he's attacking the quarterback um, you know, in a two-point stance, on a three-point stance. However... There might be some times, uh, Clay and Heidi, where we see Max Crosby also every once in a while maybe drop back in pass coverage as almost a surprise tactic uh, to to throw the quarterback off a little bit. And we're not saying that he's going to be a guy that goes run with his tight end or run with a running back. Uh, in that, in this case, you drop him back into a zone, into an area where he's able to bat down balls and just use his big body mm-hmm. and length. We call him the condor because he's got those long arms ah! to be able to just Sorry, so occupy occupy uh, a space and just throw the quarterback <laughs> off a little bit. You sometimes get tip balls and interceptions uh, with that. And I think he's a good enough athlete to pull something like that off. Yeah, definitely so. Max is always a nose to the grindstone type of guy as well so every time he's on the field even when he's off the field he's just constantly growing learning trying to instill in himself the ideas the goals the things that the different coordinators want him to be able to do so you see that his attention to detail is there you see how he comes every play ready to go after his assignment whether he's getting through a gap there, whether he's defending the run there, whether he's after the quarterback there, it's going to come down to just understanding the installs. Because I was doing a lot of reading about Patrick Graham last night. I'm just trying to get to know the man. To me, he seems like such a mystery when you're talking about what he puts together on the field. And I was reading how there would be sometimes they would have an absolutely perfect game and then they would go back and and learn 25 new installs on a short turnover type week. And that's the kind of stuff that I think it's going to be interesting to see how guys like Max keep up with that. Well, then what about the overall sack rate? Like, uh, as Zig had brought up, just 35 sacks last year. That's 20th in the league. How do you how do you assess what will be different this year? Because we noticed that last year there was like a, you know, as, as far as like sack rate was concerned, uh, they did not blitz an awful lot uh, in the Gus Bradley defense. How will that change this year, especially with the groupings of uh, Chandler Jones and, and Max on either side? How do you think that'll change? 
I think you're going to see uh, blitzing. Um, it's traditionally what you do with a 3-4 defense uh, as well. I think you're going to see guys like Nate Hobbs uh, be utilized in the blitz game, Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram, if you look uh, at his PFF uh, grades last year, he was a 70 uh, on on pass rush. So that's a blitz right there. He's coming off somehow, some way, whether it's off the edge mm-hmm. or attacking uh, up the gut of a defense, and did a pretty good job of it. Um the 35 sacks last year, I think, were still 13 better than the year before. I'd have to go check that. But also, the the, the pressure rate was way up there as well. So I know we get caught up in the sack numbers, um, and, and that needs to improve. But when you look at the Raiders' pass rush overall, it was much better, night and day better than it had been uh, in years past. And I think that Adding a Chandler Jones and the new wrinkles that um, that Patrick Graham is going to bring to the table, including the blitz game, um, could help increase those sacks and even push those uh, the the pass rush stats to a higher level as well. Yep, be looking at that as the season starts to unfold as to how like you hear him. I, I just keep thinking of his opening news conference because that's really all we've had to go off with the Patrick Graham so far is how multiple they will be. Cause his answer was yes. He goes three, three, five, four, two, five, you know, whether you look at four, three, three, four, yes is my answer. And right. so that's where I, I, I just want to see something unfold, even though it, like I was saying week to week, it could be a completely different series. Look. To series. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in New York, uh, Heidi, uh, remember, the, the, the Raiders went to New York and got beat, and that, that offense yeah. got stuffed last year. Yeah. And guess who the defensive coordinator was on that team? It was a guy who, by the name of Patrick Graham. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't with a lot of talent either, you know? Um, and, and it shows you sometimes how uh, scheming it up and, be, like you said, being versatile, being um, uh, adaptable to whatever the situation is on the other side of the football. I think you're going to see that offensively with how the Raiders attack. We talked yesterday about could they be uh, – they'll, they'll, they'll spread it out and throw it. They'll run power. Uh, they'll have all kinds of different personnel groupings and ways to beat and attack an opponent. You're going to see the same exact thing on defense because that's what the Patriots – and I know Raider fans are getting sick and tired of hearing about the Patriots all the time, but that's where these guys came from. And if you want to look at a successful model, it's the Patriots. So don't uh, underestimate that that aspect of it uh, as well. But when you look at the Ra- the Patriots' defense, they do so many different things and and throw surprise tactics at people from week to week, series to series. I think you're going to start seeing that with this Raiders' defense, and that just elevates the intelligence level, the versatility level, the adaptability level of this defense. And I think you're you're going to see that on the field. You know, I think one thing for sure is that you want to know, you know, who on the defense is is able to go and start making plays and shut teams down. Because last year, especially in that last final regular season game on Sunday night against the Chargers, when you're up 15 points in the uh, in the waiting minutes of the uh, fourth quarter, that you let that lead slip away at home against the Chargers. All on fourth downs too. They yeah. played great defense, one to three, one to three, and then the fourth downs you just couldn't capitalize. So it's like, so you you have the idea of like as, as Raider Nation is. You see, like, all right, I see what's on the defensive line and the edge rushers, but I want to know more about what's going on in the secondary. So can they be complementary with each other? But at the same time, for this week in minicamp, I want to see specifically, like, what are going to be the real changes to make sure that doesn't happen at the end of the game, like we saw against the Chargers. Can the secondary really start closing in and end games for the Raiders? On yeah. Day? And and you know uh, not to make any excuses, but it was Justin Herbert out there. <laughs> he was last a, it year. was that amazing. Dude, yeah, he was. He just he was on fire, mm-hmm. uh, especially on those 
fourth down plays. And by the way, the Raiders were doing the same exact thing to the Chargers defense, uh, you know, uh, in reverse. So uh, thankfully for the Raiders, it worked out. But yeah, you can't have that. You can't play stellar defense one through three and then all of a sudden give up a fourth and 25 um, time and time again. So uh, it didn't happen all the time last year. It definitely happened in that game. <laughs> You're right. Uh, they need to obviously alleviate any of those type type of things. But I, I do one thing about, and, and this goes to what uh, Heidi was talking about earlier, doing her research on Patrick Graham. One thing that um, he's known for, and 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 this staff is known for, is finding out what you do well and building packages to take advantage of that skill. And a, a guy that I want to, you know, uh, get a little bit of a better read on, whether it's over these next three days in minicamp or or into training camp, is Malcolm Coons. Malcolm Kuntz, yes. in his time on the field, had some bright spots. There. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean he he didn't play a lot, but when he played, he had an effect, and he had he came up with some sacks. He has an elite pass rush skill. If there's one thing that Malcolm Kuntz can do, and I know there's other parts of the game, and he's working on that, but the guy can get to the quarterback. He's done that in college. He showed in short spurts last year that he could do it at the NFL level. He's a guy that I think could emerge as a package type player in a Patrick Graham defense. I'm very curious, too, too, because when we were at that NFL owners meeting, Vinny, and I brought this up before, you saw the light in the eye when McDaniels mentioned his name. Well, when I I brought it up, and he started laughing, kind of. And it was, we were trying to interpret what that laugh meant. And I think it, I think, and this is just our, you know. Assessment, uh, yes. (laughs) Was that he was like, you know, maybe there's. We, we see some things in Malcolm Koontz, and this could be a player that, again, they, they, they figure out some packages for and get at, after it schematically with him and, and take advantage of that elite, elite right. skill. And I think ultimately the key word with every player on this defense, no matter what, is going to be versatility. As we talked about Max, as we talked about Nate, as we're talking now about Malcolm Koontz, that's going to be the big key for every single guy on this team is how versatile can you be and adapt to this uh, defense when your number's called to be able to make a move where you wouldn't normally be. How do you fit into that position? There's also a buy-in, too. I mean, you have to, like, for something like what we're talking about with Max Crosby, which we're just speculating right now. We don't know that he's going to be uh, lined up in an upright position or, right. or do what we're talking about. But I think this time of year is is, is a fun time to be able to at least look at it, to look at it, you know, if you're the coach. <laughs> but also for it to move forward successfully, you do have to have a buy-in factor. And to convince somebody that's done something entirely one way his whole career and say, hey, um, work with me on this. I have a vision. And you may not see it right now, but I see it. And there's mm-hmm. a way that we mm-hmm. can expand your game and expand your horizons and make you a better player, a more effective player. Just be open-minded to doing this. And I get the sense, Heidi, that Max Crosby's that kind of a guy where he's like, yeah. you know what, if I oh, feel, yeah. you know, right? He's all team. He's all team. And he's all about doing whatever he needs to do to be able to help this team win and to bring it to the best of its ability when it comes to that defensive front. He wants to put every single ounce of himself out there in the field. And there's no part of me that looks at him or Chandler and thinks any less. And if it doesn't work, you take it off the list. But mm-hmm. you give it a, at least maybe give it a shot just to see if it's something that could be useful moving forward. That's Vinny, Heidi, Clay here with you on Raider Nation Radio. Let's go out to the Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Las Vegas with Raider 66. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you guys doing hey, again today? 66. Excellent, Raider up, 66. Man? man, I love this uh, this panel here. This is awesome. You guys are great. <laughs> we like great. to hear that. <laughs> I, I, I like what you guys are saying about the, about the sacks. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a high sack total, but as Vinny brought up, 
you know, they were they had a very good increase in the pressure. And you got to understand, these quarterbacks now, they still getting rid of the ball in like two seconds, yes. you know, less than three seconds. So it's hard. you got to get past a 300-plus-yard guy, run mm-hmm. about 15 yards, chase down a quarterback <laughs> in three seconds or less. I, I mean, it, it's really tough to do. But if we can get the, the young secondary healthy, uh, Trayvon Mullen, um, <laughs> we could maybe, you know, get the pressure rate, and then you get interceptions instead of sacks. That's a good deal. But I, I wanted to talk about, because uh, yesterday we were talking about, you know, what's going to be different. And, and as is my want, I like to go back in history and look at things. And I go back to the 1999 season. It was John Gruden's second year. The team was struggling. And every year, for a lot of years, the Chiefs just kicked our butts. It, we would always turn the ball over a lot, kind of like now. And it turned over a new millennium to the year 2000. It was January 2nd. We played the Chiefs oh, yeah. in Kansas City. That game set up, I think, what happened the next year. We, we started out just the same. They ran a punt back for a touchdown. They got an interception for a touchdown. We were down 14 nothing before you knew it. That's right. But the team battled back. There must have been oh, five, six, bad. seven lead changes in that game. They tied it up and won the game in overtime. And I was thinking that whole time, I go, hopefully this will springboard them next year. It did. In 2000, they started out 8-1, uh, and one, went to the playoffs, and it started uh, three years in a row that they won the West. Now we fast forward to this past year, 2021, the team for like three years in a row had a second half meltdown. They just lost to Kansas City by like 30 points. And now it's like, okay, the season's over. Nope. The team rallied up, won four straight elimination games, the last one in overtime against a division opponent. So let's see with the new regime, what's going to happen this year. And I like uh, maybe a little bit of a quiz, guys. Um, because I, I go back to what Vinny said last offseason, and I, I remember it because it's what I've been telling all my friends. Derek Carr's not the problem. If we could bring the team up to Derek Carr's level, those are Vinny's words, we'll be okay. Well, look at what's happened. We've got, like, a top three slot receiver. We've got a top two tight end. We've got a top one wide receiver. We've got a top five uh, edge-rushing duo. We've got young players on the defense that if they can stay healthy and, and, and get this new scheme together, I think we're going to be okay. But you look at, uh, I have a, a quiz for you guys. Which Raider quarterback is the only one to throw over 30 touchdowns in an NFL season? It's a trick question, the keyword NFL. Oh, the, 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 the quiz music is there. <laughs> uh, Rich Cannon. No. Derek Carr, in 2015, threw 32 touchdown passes. He is only the second Raider quarterback to throw 30 or more. Daryl LaMonica did it twice, but that was in the AFL. That's why it was a trick question. Right. My prediction this year is that Derek Carr is going to set the Raider record with 35 or more touchdown passes. Hey, I got something for you. As of today, there's a list from Chris Sims Unbuttoned and Pro Football Talk that lists Derek Carr as the number 11 quarterback heading into the 2022 season just outside of the top 10 underneath Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott, respectively. It's not bad. Yeah, I think he's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, and I think... um... You could go. You could go Sunday to Sunday with him between he and uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, they're two different quarterbacks, obviously. But uh, at the end of the day, it's what are the results? What? What? Um, you know, what did you do to help your team win? And I think that uh, you can you can you know trade off uh, with those two quarterbacks. I think that's where he probably deserves to be at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's fair. And I think that's if you're if you're a Raider fan, it's like you should be ecstatic 
about that. If you have a top 10-ish, 11 quarterback with everything else that the Raiders have uh, going on, um, that that's enough to win a Super Bowl. You can win a Super Bowl with that caliber of a quarterback. And I think that by the end of the season, if everybody stays healthy, I think you're going to be talking about him in the top 10, not outside the top 10. Sims also added to that with a, a tag quote that says, you can win a Super Bowl with this guy. That's on, right. Uh, but no he doubt. wrote on Derek Carr at number Sims? 11. Oh, Sims. I like that. He's going on a limb there. I like that. That's, that's, a, that's a bold opinion. Because he can do that. Who he, won the Super Bowl last year? Yeah, right. like, like Joe Burrow was a guy that was able to make it out of the AFC, but Matt Stafford was somebody that, you know, was toiling in obscurity in Detroit, finally gets a chance to be on a team that was perfectly suited for him, and perhaps a system like that could be perfectly suited for Derek Carr. Thanks, Raiders 66, for the call. But it's it's very possible. Well, I... Last year when the Raiders were in Los Angeles to practice against the Rams, I'm driving around because uh, you do a lot of driving around in California, going from <laughs> place to place. Anywhere in California. And I'm listening to the morning show in Los Angeles, right? Uh, ESPN, a couple of friends that, that were the hosts of that show. And since the Raiders were in town, they were and Matt Stafford had just started his career with the Rams, they were looking at Matt Stafford's numbers and Derek Carr's numbers. And they're kind of uncanny if anyone wants to, cares to take a couple of minutes to go look and compare their numbers. It's uncanny how close they truly are um, heading into last year. And so uh, the premise of what they were talking about was did the Rams just trade for the equivalent of Derek Carr? And they were kind of saying it in a... What 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 quarterback did the Rams just get here? And I'm thinking that's not a bad thing. You can win a Super Bowl with that caliber of quarterback. You can win a Super Bowl with a Derek Carr. And I think now that that mission was completed by the Rams, if you're a Raider fan, um, and and you and you and you now put your quarterback in a kind of the same situation that Matthew Stafford was put on in Los Angeles, where you have all this talent around him, his play is not necessarily going to go up. But the play of the team will go up because he's got complementary players around him now that that are at his level. And I think the biggest question with Matthew Stafford wasn't so much, you know, could he elevate if he had the right weapons around him because he had a guy like Megatron to throw to. But when you think about in terms of the nosedives that he would take at the end. He was the, playing on terrible teams, too. That, that, those, That's the bottom line. Those seasons were just plummet. It wasn't him. It wasn't him, and it hasn't been Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. They were both in toxic situations. Uh, you look at the talent that, that yes, from time to time he had a pretty good team, some pretty good parts around him, but then the defense was horrible, or the offensive line was terrible, or there was no running game. And I'm saying this in, in relation to Matthew Stafford. You might as well just put Derek Carr's name in there, too because that was the situation that he was dealing with. Put him in a good situation with good talent around him, and guess what? You're going to win a lot of football games. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back more on the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. It's Vinny, Heidi, and Clay on your Funk Tuesday here on R&R 90. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on R&R 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Sam and Ash text line. Text the keyword R&R followed by your message to 69187.
Bear Nation Radio on a Funk Tuesday. Thank you for joining us here on RNR 920. Nate Davis from USA Today is going to join us in the top of the third hour, as well as Marcus Johnson from SB Nation. Let's get out to the phones. Realty One Group listener line with the one and only, the Hall of Famer, Violator. Wayne Mabry is on the phone with us. Violator, what is up, man? It's great to hear you. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, just appreciate what you guys do on the air there and uh, keeping the nation informed. But, uh, you know, I've been hearing this talk about uh, the latest news with the uh, boss, uh, what do you call it, TV announcers. Oh, yeah. Uh, with Brent Musburger being, you know, let go or whatever happened. Mm -hmm. uh, that leaves a huge void right there because, you know, along with Bill King, he was, you know, Brent's been around since I was a kid uh, <laughs> doing his thing. But uh, I, me personally, just think we need some fresh blood in that booth okay. um, that can connect generations of fans because most millennials probably don't even know who Brent Musburger is. <laughs> Yeah. But mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just speaking from the heart, man. Sure. Uh, they probably don't know who Brent is. You know, uh, Bill King was like a staple and whatever happened with that situation. But I'm going to throw a young man's name out there in the hat and you guys throw darts at it if you want. But I'm just keeping it real. I've got a nephew, uh, Akeem Henderson. You guys know him as Raider Man. So oh, yeah. Keep it 100. And uh, this kid has a gift for that. That's true. He was born to be on the mic. So and a very eloquent speaker, uh, speaks from his knowledge, speaks from his heart, you know. And I've just watched this guy grow up since I've met him in the early, you know, in the early uh, Oakland, when they moved back to Oakland. That's when I met him. And uh, it's just been a bond, man. And I've watched him grow up, raise his kids, you know, just and going through life struggles, just like all of us. Mm -hmm. But he always keeps his head about him. And when it comes to this silver and black, he's about that business. So that's my nomination. If it means anything, I'm just throwing it out there. I just heard all the talk about it. I'm like, let me call him. Just throw his <laughs> guy's name in there that nobody Good. really gives the time of day. And it's a shame, you know, with where everything is at right now. We need to be actually unifying this whole fan base, and I mean in a real way. Uh, and I don't want to vent. I don't want to change the flavor of your show and all that. Well, I appreciate but, you uh, calling we've in. Gotta, we've got to do some better in-house keeping. Well, I love that. I, I love the yes. situation. I love the idea, and I tell you what, you're absolutely right. You've always been about unification, uh, Violator, and I think that's the kind of message we love here and, and all the time. And you know, it's so good to hear your voice. We're up against it. We got to take a commercial break for our next guest. But we, will you please? Uh, let's get a chance in a couple of weeks. Can we get uh, have a have a, a few minutes with you and talk about what it was like being at the Hall of Fame last year and all the great stuff that came in from Canton, Ohio? Oh, it would be my pleasure. Let's just set oh, something up. That'd be great. Oh, I would love that. Hey, yes. Violator, thank you so much. We absolutely love that. Let's talk again soon. My pleasure. You guys stay blessed. Yes, All right. Great thank to you. hear your voice this morning. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, see? That, that's how you get a resume out there. You no violator, kidding. That's better than a cover letter. Be well, anointed by the Violator. That's all right. We come back with Nate Davis from USA Today. He's next. 
Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.